Hi everyone, welcome to the Blue Ridge Church of Christ podcast. My name is Phil Bruns and thank you so much for taking time from your day to be with us. You know, if you met up with a total stranger, what would be one of the first things you would ask them to get to know who they are? Well, perhaps in that answer, we can find some inspiration for us to get to know our God and who our God is so that we can continue to grow and grow and grow more in our faith. If you were trying to get to know someone new for the very first time, one of the very first questions, of course, would be, what is your name? Because see, in that question, you're asking not only what their name is for that moment, but if in the future you want to call them or if you want to log their contact information in your phone. You need to know what the person's name is. A name has meaning. A name has an identity based on who you are, who I am, who the person, this new person that you're meeting is. And so to get to know someone, one of the very first things you'll want to know is what is your name? As we look in the spiritual sense at God and the vastness of God, we need to understand the names of God, names as in plural of God. And we're excited today to get started on a series to learn about some of the names of God. Now, we're not going to do a a huge in-depth survey of the names. That's what uh, classes, universities are for, is to teach you more and more uh, the depth of the history of the names and, and so forth. But we will take a small dive into the names of God. And more importantly, is what we can learn from those names. What can they uh, apply to us to help us today? That's what's going to help us. There's lots of facts, lots of things. I mean, these names of God have been around for centuries and millenniums. And so there's lots written, lots of history, lots of research, lots of opinion on the names of God. Lots of research can be done, and I would encourage you to do some if you would like to know more. We will look at some of his names in a little bit. More importantly, I would like for you as a listener to take again the lesson that can impact your life today and if you would like to do more research there is lots of online information that you can uh, dig into but our first name that we're going to look at today is Yahweh Yahweh the name of all the names that is most used in the Old Testament whenever you look throughout the Old Testament a lot of times you're reading Yahweh. It's a, it's a proper name derived from a Hebrew word meaning I am. Many times it's shortened to Yah, Y-A-H. When you sing uh, Hallelujah, it literally means praise Yah. The English Bibles over time translated Yahweh to Lord. So when you look in your Old Testament, the English uh, uh, versions of the Old Testament, You'll see many times you'll see Lord. Now some of those Lords are used as Yahweh. Not all of them are, but some of them are translated to the term Yahweh. When I wrote this lesson, I was actually challenged on my view of God. Uh, Let me say that in a good way. 
it, it was it was expanded my view of God, who God is, His presence, His uh, His power, His authority, and we're going to talk to all of those in a minute. But it really challenged and helped my view of God grow. Uh, you might feel stuck. You might uh, be in a spot where you don't feel like you're able to grow or change or feel that God's view of you is less than. Like he's putting up with you. He's bearing with you. Wherever you fall uh, in the spectrum of how you feel in your relationship with God, today we can under grow in our understanding of God. And it will change your life for the better. But we've got to be willing to let some of these things sink into our hearts so that we can grow and change in our day-to-day -day life. The first thought on the term Yahweh. It depicts God's power and God's authority. Well, the very first time that Yahweh the term Yahweh is recorded in God's Word is actually in Genesis chapter 2. We're going to look uh, at, at Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3 and verse th 13 in a moment where God is calling to Moses through a, none other than a burning bush. Through Moses' uh, curiosity, he goes to the burning bush and then begins to have a conversation with God and where God asks him, in fact, commands him uh, to lead the people, the Israelites that had been enslaved in Egypt for uh, hundreds of years, to lead them out of Egypt. God was giving this authority to Moses. And so in a discussion with God through this burning bush, it's almost an incredible moment in time to even envision this man talking to a bush that, that is on fire yet is not burning about leading the Israelites out of Egypt. In verse 13, I pick it up. It says, Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. It wasn't smack talk coming from God of I am or yo, I'm in the house. I am got you. It wasn't smack talk. God wasn't trying to be funny. But we see that it is a term of power. And it is also a name in verse 15 that he says, It is my name forever. This is my name to be remembered throughout all generations. Not just for you, Moses, but for the rest of the Israelites at that time. For the Israelites that would be to come. For the people of all time, for all generations, including you and me, as I record this lesson. The I am. The great I am. Meaning power. Meaning Yahweh. We need to know this name of God. You know, with, with Yahweh, there is never a beginning with him. God didn't have a beginning. He is not God Jr. He wasn't born to parents. 
He wasn't started. He wasn't created. Not Yahweh. He is the I am. It's hard for us to understand this because everything we know and see has a start and has an end. Whether it be trees, whether it be plants, whether it be stars, whether it be the home you might live in, it has a beginning and someday it will have an end. Even ourselves, we have a beginning and we have an end. There's not one thing that we see around us. Not one thing as you listen to this as you see around you that doesn't have a beginning and someday will have an end. But not with God. There has never been a time, never a moment without Yahweh and nor will there ever be. You may already know that and believe that, but setting our mind there sets the stage of going forward. It sets the stage and clears our mind of all things, of God and his power. Yahweh also is a, a term of authority. You know, that Yahweh had all authority. That's everywhere. In other words, there's no border, no jurisdiction. He wasn't just God in one country or another country. It wasn't just God of, of, uh, of one place or another. You know, when you think back or, uh, to your uh, uh, grade school days, you had a teacher who had authority in your classroom. But that's where her, th the, her or, or his authority started and end was in the classroom. Beyond that, there was a principal at your school, a principal that had authority over the school. Even the police have authority with a jurisdiction in the city, in the country, in the county, whatever it might be, but not with God. His authority transcends all borders. His authority has no jurisdiction. Even your teacher, your most favorite teacher, most favorite principal, whether it be the police or other people of authority that you have, maybe you're one who has authority now. You, none of those people nor you have ever created an animal or food for them. None of us makes the noise of thunder or the flash of lightning. We didn't lay the rocks or forge the streams in the Rocky Mountains or the Shenandoah Mountains or any other mountains anywhere. We haven't given the wind to the birds to fly nor the ground for our food to grow. That is Yahweh. Yahweh is the Almighty. He is the Almighty everywhere. He is the Almighty here in Charlottesville. He is the Almighty in Virginia. He is the Almighty all around the earth and all around the solar system to the farthest star and beyond. To put our spot in relation to him in perspective, he doesn't need us for anything. Without you, without me, he is completely whole. He is completely eternal and completely existent on his own. He is the beginning and the end, the Alpha and Omega. But he just simply doesn't need us. We don't help him out. 
He doesn't go to us, need to go to us for encouragement. He doesn't need anything from us because, again, he is completely whole. Now, I don't say that, uh, that he doesn't love us. We will get into other names of God down the road that will actually show quite the opposite. But for Yahweh, he needs nothing. He is completely self-sufficient, and he stands alone in that. So why talk about this? What does all this mean? What should we do with that? That's great information, but so what? Well, for Moses, as Yahweh spoke to him through that burning bush that day, it caused a forever life-changing obedience and existence for Moses. It wasn't just a God sending him. It was the God that was sending him, the eternal Yahweh, that people of all time and all places should remember him. For us, with that same authority and that power should come a healthy, ever-present, and dare I say, transformational fear of him. Not that Yahweh is transformed, but that you and I are transformed because of him. Our lives, our opinions, our views, our actions, all should be transformed because of him. And the Bible speaks tons of this. This Old Testament term of Yahweh is used nearly 7,000 times in the Old Testament. Here's a few of them and how they should transform us. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord, Yahweh, is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13. The fear of the Lord, Yahweh, is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance, and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. Psalm chapter 111, verse 10. The fear of the Lord, again Yahweh, is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have good understanding. His praise endures forever. Psalm chapter 33, verse 8. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 26 and 27. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, and his children will have a refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, that one may turn away from the snares of death. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, and turn away from evil. If you're somewhat scared as you listen to those verses, and there's plenty more to choose from, I think it is appropriate. I found myself as I was putting, again, this lesson together, a little bit fearful. And as I said, there's plenty more to choose from. Nearly 7,000 times Yahweh is used. I discovered, you know, I need to grow in my fear. And what, what, what it should drive in me. I need to grow in my fear of Yahweh. My fear of God and what it should drive in me. And you see, our, over time, our hearts can be easily numbed. You may feel that now, which is exactly what our enemy would desire. 
If we can lose sight of Yahweh, then it becomes more about us. You'll find people struggling at sometimes, and maybe yourself, of, I need a new church because I don't like something about this one or that one. That's not about God, that's actually about you. I'm not going to be friendly because someone else isn't friendly towards me. You can think of other situations and how losing sight of his authority, his power, can cause our thoughts to be off because we lose perspective of who Yahweh is. We've got to grow and solidify our knowing Yahweh. I love Psalm chapter 86, verse 11. It says, Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. You see, Yahweh should transform your view of money, transform your priorities, your language, what your Monday morning at the office or school looks like. It should transform what your Sunday mornings should look like. Or if you have midweek services that you attend or midweek groups that you attend, Yahweh should transform your view of these things. Raising your view of Yahweh, raising your view of God and his authority can help you grow where you don't think you can because your perspective changes. I think you're letting Yahweh as the I am sink in the first thing every morning. It can keep you from sin that day. It can keep you with a better perspective of the day. It can help you encourage someone else. It can help you not worry so much. Listen to Psalm 86 verse 11 again. It says, teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Now sometimes when we think of fear, it's easy for our minds to go to a spot of watching a spooky movie and we get fear inside. Or watching a, a TV show, Ghost Hunters, where they're finding ghosts in these old abandoned buildings. I've had fear uh, struck in me a few times. Embarrassingly, once I was about 10 years old. And I was at my school, actually, where they had a fun Halloween event there. And in the locker room of my elementary school, it was meant to be a bit of a haunted locker room. There were, if I recall correctly, about five or maybe six individuals that were all dressed up as ghosts, as demons, as, you know, different spooky things as it related to, to Halloween. And me and a couple buddies went in there being with a group of friends. We were pretending to not be afraid and we were actually talking smack to the uh, guys that were, uh, uh, that were dressed up, one of which uh, was a, a person in costume that had a, we called him a bumblebee face. His face was all swollen and, and it was just a costume and it was all for fun. But we walk in there and we were like, ah, you know, what'd you do, swallow a bumblebee or what happened to you and made fun of a ghost and made fun of another guy and these guys uh, dressed up as monsters. Well, as we made our way towards the uh, exit door, uh, my two friends were ahead of me and I was the last one. And after fully giving you know, smack talk to all the individuals and not being scared uh, e even an inch, the guy with a swollen face that looked like he did swallow bumblebees came behind me with a 
right behind me. And it scared me from here to tomorrow. And I ran out of the locker room that was kind of a haunted locker room. I could hear all of those individuals rolling on the floor laughing as I darted out because there was a moment that I was in fear. And we ran out, and I remember it uh, to this day. But often we think of fear like that. We think of fear uh, as a situation where we need to run away from it. A fear that we need to go run and hide. But that's not the fear that the Bible is calling us to. That's not the fear that Yahweh wants. That's not the fear that God desires for our hearts. No, no, no. It's a fear that causes respect. And a fear that causes us to bow. And a fear that causes us to lower our heads in reverence to him. Not to run away. So the term Yahweh speaks to authority and power. But it also speaks to one more thing. It speaks to his presence. His existence. Yahweh is the God, as I mentioned, not just a God, but he's not off, uh, far off somewhere. He doesn't live on the other side of the earth from you. He doesn't live on a planet far away and looking down over the earth and over your life. He's not somewhere on the outside looking in, and he's not in outer space anywhere in some remote place. And we see that as God interacts here with Moses and the Israelites. Yahweh didn't sit back and give them direction of, Hey, Moses, go grab the people in Egypt and leave and let me know how that's going. No, no. He wasn't telling him to go off and he would stand on the sideline like a, a coach at a basketball game or a football game. No, what we see is God's presence with the Israelites. In Exodus chapter 13, when they did eventually leave uh, Egypt. In verses 21 and 22, it says that the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. God went with them. Yahweh went with them. And so his presence doesn't, does, just doesn't mean that he's out there somewhere. It's a presence that is with us. A presence that is intimately involved with our lives. Psalm 145 is a great psalm of David that speaks to God's presence with us. It's a relationship he desires. And remember, he doesn't need us, but he does want us. A relationship that is for us and for our benefit. In Psalm 145, verse 3, it says, Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. Verses 8 and 9, The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy over all that he has made. Verse 13 and 14 says, Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord upholds 
all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. And finally, in Psalm 145, verse 18, it says, The Lord is near to all who call him and to all who call on him in truth. But it doesn't stop there. Beyond Psalm chapter 145 in the Old Testament, we see in Joshua 1, verse 9, where the Lord is speaking to Joshua. It says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. In Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17, it says, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. In Psalm chapter 23, verse 4, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. But this just isn't an Old Testament concept. Even in the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, it says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And throughout Jesus' life, he was with the people. And at the end of his life, in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, amongst other things he had said to them, he says, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. You see, when we get our eyes off of God, when we lose sight of Yahweh and lose sight of who he is, we lose sight of his power, you lose sight of his authority, and lose sight of his presence. And what happens is it gets on to ourselves or other things. We lose sight of where God is because we're not focused on God or centered on God. We get centered on something else. But he hasn't moved. He is right there. You know, if you're a parent, if you've ever lost sight of one of your children, something happens, and it happens very quickly. That happened for my wife and I once. We had one of our uh, daughters with us, and she was about two years old, and we were at an uh, in- indoor mall. We were in one of the, the stores uh, looking at clothes or looking uh, you know, at uh, um, you know, the racks of stuff that were there. And naturally, I thought that my wife had our daughter, and she thought I had our daughter. And as we're looking through the racks of things to find our, our favorite deals, all of a sudden we realize that our daughter is not with us. And when we discovered that, there was an immediate panic that set in. Now, it was, say, I would say it was a slight panic. Because then we started to look around, of course, and there's racks of clothes and racks of, and, and, and shelves of, of items and stuff all over. So we can't just kind of look around and see everywhere. So we're kind of looking around the, the racks of clothes and the things that were there, and we didn't see her. And so then that panic actually started to settle in even farther. By now we're starting to shout her name. We're starting to shout her name looking for her and we can't find her. 
And my wife is looking at me. I'm looking at her, and we are running. I get down on the floor. I am looking on the floor underneath all of the racks of clothes. I don't see the little footsteps of our daughter, and she is not with us. Well, I run out into the, the hallway, the main corridor of the mall, in a total panic at this point. There has worry that has set in. We have lost sight of our daughter. And I get out into the corridor. I look one way, and she's not there. I look down the other way, and there she is. Three doors down, walking away from us. We had lost sight of her. And she was walking away. But my point is not that God is like our daughter and goes away from us. Not at all. He stays there. It's us that gets lost. We lose sight of our God. And we get our eyeballs on other things. But God is always there. But what we should take from a story like that is the panic. Is the panic of the moment of, of losing, uh, losing our daughter. And maybe you don't have kids, but maybe you've been in a crowd with some friends and you lose sight of your friends. And you can certainly imagine what that is like. You know, for that episode with our daughter. It lasted about 60 seconds, but I'll tell you what, it felt every minute of 30 minutes. We had lost sight, and there was an alarm for us. We should take our sight of God incredibly serious, because our enemy always works against that. I hope that brings a uh, an emphasis, a perspective. It may not be a new teaching for you. It's like, oh, we need to focus on God. No, no, no. Uh, that may not be a new teaching. But I hope today that I can emphasize this and, and give perspective on this enough, on the, the relationship that God desires with you. And him being with us, him existing with us. He understands our weaknesses. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 it says, you know, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray as, for, as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. He knows your need for strength, 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 11. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. God knows that we need his strength. He also understands our need for love. Romans chapter 8 says, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, no things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. God understands your weakness. He understands your need for his strength. And he understands your need for love because his, his existence is not just off someplace. It is right here with you and me. He chooses to be with you just as a parent chooses to be with a child. We can't lose sight of that. Let's let that sink in. Not just now, but for all time. Yahweh, or Yah for short, is all-powerful. He has all authority, and he is ever-present with us by his choice. With that in mind, we should worry less and trust more that God is fully aware of 
everything that's going on around you and with you. He knows your private moments, your family meals, when you are at work. But he also knows the current wars around the globe. He knows the political environment. He knows the elections that happen in this country and in others. He is fully aware. So let's get rid of the other things that block our view of God. Think about how you can help someone else grow or develop their view of God. I hope that helps give us some direction of what to do with Yahweh being all-powerful and all-authority and ever-present. Again, to worry less and to trust more, to get rid of those things that block our view of God, to seek those out and get help if needed. But then think about how you can help someone else grow or develop their view of God. We need a proper view of Yahweh. I hope you feel challenged as you listen to this. I hope you take time to let his power, his authority, and his presence sink in. Fear him with reverence. Turn to him as your maker and cling to him as he wants you to. I hope you are called to grow. Where you need to grow. Where you need to change. Where you need to repent because Yahweh is the great I am. I hope that was helpful, and if you liked it, would like to hear more, please don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast. And if you're in the Charlottesville, Virginia area, would like to stop in and visit us at a Sunday service, please send us a note or visit our website at blueridgedisciples.org for more information.